the Koi Gig part on Off The Ball. You do get tired of winning. People say, oh, you never get tired. You do. You get tired of winning. You get tired of winning easily. You actually want competition in the end. You want to have to work Subscribe for it. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now. Colin Alley is with us in studio. Colin, how are you? Right, grand year and yourself. Thanks yeah, very much for see, the, the invite. You have a new book out. It's called GA Football Training Tens and uh, it's 10 different uh, <laughs> exercises for coaches to um, improve loads of different aspects of the game. It's like bite size and easy. It's actually a kind of. I remember collecting tokens from the Avonmore milk back in the eighties, <laughs> and there were small books like this. But yeah, they, we seem to have gone away from them into the more kind of in depth. Um, so this is uh, filling the gap in the market. Well, um, it, it would have been road tested, uh, Jerry, in that like that's my my third uh, book, and basically uh, coaches, the feedback from coaches, they want something handy, something practical, something that fits in the glove department, yeah, something that they can bring with them. And what I try to do is I try to align it with the um, current coaching process that's out there like the award ones and the award twos are broke down into seven or eight different modules um, technical proficiency for improving skills tactical plies and stuff like that warm ups physical fitness so I try to um, align it with that giving ten um, ideas for coaches uh, along along the coaching process that's out there from the GAA Okay so it, it, it's a brilliant companion to uh, anybody who is actually at the moment going through that process of becoming an accredited coach Yeah and um, like I kind of I'm reluctant to call it a coaching book because um, it's it's more of a coaching content book because coaching as you mm. as you well know it makes up there's a lot of um, facets to go with coaching this is just one of them like um, and like that's what I do I just I share content I share um, ideas but I don't tell people how to coach I, because. You know, there's too many variables in that when it comes to building rapport, connections, t- tactical stuff and all that sort of stuff. So this is just part of the coaching pie, as I call it. How do you think we're doing at the moment? Um, let's specifically stick to, to Gaelic football, right? Mm-hmm. How are we doing in terms of the evolution of our thought processes about uh, getting as many coaches as possible to feel empowered to think, OK, I'm actually going to coach the way I want to because I have a vision mm-hmm. about how the game should be played. But at the same time, I'm going to give everybody the skills required to be able to think for themselves how, how are we doing what's your yeah well I do think um, I think we've a, I think we've an excellent coaching process like there's kind of four parts of the official coaching process you have your um, child safeguard and you've got your introduction to Gaelic games and your award one and award two so there's something there for everybody who wants to go and coach at a certain level not everybody wants to go to the elite level people just want to follow their son or daughter to a certain level and uh, it's up to the GA to try to provide something for that so there's something there for everybody now the big issue that I would have with it is it's the follow through is that when you go and you do your course, you're back into your club and nobody checks on your needs after that to come back to see to make sure that each team has a, um, a coach with the relevant qualifications, you know, because that's very, very important, it's particularly with all the debate that's going on at the minute with the go games and things like that. So all that's covered in the courses, but it's the, it's the follow through to make sure that the principles picked up in the courses are being adhered to and put into place. So I'd have a bit, bit of an issue with that. There's brilliant um, initiatives going on at the moment, like there's... Um, there's core modules being developed I'm part of them through Crow Park where you're developing certain workshops that's going to assist coaches who don't want to become an elite coach but want a little bit more information so for instance there's myself um, Jack Cooney and Maggie Farley we're, we're working on a workshop about um, defending with an extra player so that's just a three hour bespoke workshop that coaches can attend to and get some ideas on how to coach a defensive setup or break down a defensive setup so these are really exciting they're being piloted at the moment and will be rolled out shortly 
you mentioned the go game stuff. Where do you stand on the competitiveness for for young players? Like, I guess parents living vicariously through their through their kids is another issue as well. Um, yeah, I, I kind of like just was preparing for that a little bit. Like, like the go games is common sense to me. It's 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 brilliant. It's the development stage of players, uh, and it's so important. So if if um, competitiveness has shown that um, you don't get enough game time, well then there's a problem with that. It has to be game time for everybody. Now I think we're very hard on ourselves here in the <laughs> GA because the go games are on the go for about 20 years now and they've been a massive success. But in saying that, I would say this, that the, um, the policy informs the practice but the practice should also inform the policy. So in other words, if there is, um, if you're getting feedback and finding out that children at a younger age are more able for competitiveness, then that feedback has to be taken on board and, you, you know, something has to be, has to be come from that. You have to follow through on it and get, to, get, mm. the, um, get the opinions of the coaches that are on the ground. The biggest issue, another issue there that I have is a lot of people that are commenting on this and actually um, coming up with ideas, they've no boots on them. They're not on the pitch. They're not there with um, 38-year-olds running around the pitch. You know, they're coming out of college and, and they have degrees about what's the right practice and that. To get qualified in something, you have to live it. You have to coach mm. a load of boys and girls at seven and eight years of age, nine or ten, eleven or twelve, before really. So that's why I'm saying if the practice can inform the policy, like if you get good feedback from the coaches that are on the ground to say, look, these ten-year-old boys are a little bit more capable of this or that and the other. And if they are, they are. I can tell you this, everybody says that children um, you know, are well aware of the score of the match and what it means to win or lose. They're also well aware that when you give them five minutes towards the end of the game, that you as a coach don't rate them and you don't think much of them. And that's a bigger indictment to me than, than everything else. So, so for me, the goal games are, are massive and it's a massive um, for, for development. We're a community-based organisation. We have to provide games for all. Look, early engagement for me is better than early specialisation so if you, what happens in the GA and what we do best is people come down and they feel part of the club from a young age and that's a, a huge success I'd be a big um, advocate of children playing as many sports as possible mm. that's called sampling and when you sample lots of different sports you pick up lots of different motor movements you pick up lots of different skills that can be utilised in the game but ultimately you'll go back to what you love most and that's the, what I always said with my boys I have three boys now who played loads of different sports I'd always say to them play what you love play what you love at the end of the day and that's what they do and I think that's what happens and I think we do that better than most in, in, uh, sporting organisations in GAA we get the engagement we, we, you know, they're, they're welcomed we give games to them all you know, it, there is a problem, and maybe the coaches need to be um, vetted a little bit more on who's with teams and that. Because that's that's my view on it. I, I think the school games are no brainer, hugely important for development of. We're coaching. We're coaching people that play football to play GAA so you know to be involved in something to be empowered to feel part of something is massive as well yeah so it sounds like there's loads of stuff there um, we need to continue the coaching development uh, as much as we possibly can and we need to make sure that when people finish the course or even are in part of the course that they're actually being able to use what they've learned in the application and then yeah. When they have done that, we need a feedback loop to be able to come and say, actually, I found these bits don't work for me, but these bits really are working for me. I think so. I think there has to be a channel where you feed up as well as feedback. Right? So, again, you, you look, lots of counties have, have great games programmes and they might find that at a certain age they're more ca- capable of sort of being gone down the competitive route. And, and so be it. Get that information back there to the policy makers and, and have a look at it. Um, I think, too, that um, what happens is... like. We're, as I said, we're a community-based organisation. Our coaching process, there's no pass and fail in it. 
And I agree with that. There shouldn't be a pass and fail because if somebody's willing to give up three evenings a week or two evenings a week to coach their children, the last thing you want to say is, well, you failed the, le- the org one, you can't coach. Mm, yeah. right? It's not about that. So it's about giving them as much information as you can that they can provide good enough sessions. Look, I would say to everybody here that's coaching children, right? the first thing I would say is if you're in doubt and if, you haven't, if you're struggling to plan your sessions, play a game. Because that's the feedback. If you stood back there and say to the kids, I'll be out with you in five minutes, they'll go and they'll put two um, jackets down and they'll start playing a game. There might be a game of soccer or something, but yeah. they'll start playing a game. <laughs> so that's feedback to you as a coach, that they're down here to play games. So play games as early as possible. Yeah. Are we also in danger, and I'm talking more about the elite side of it now, of being, um, I, I feel there's a little bit of culture of being anti-coaching, that we're like uh, coaches who coach outside their the parish in which they were born are somehow, you know, bad. Yeah. That's like, you're, you're, you're a dodgy geezer, you're going somewhere. Who the hell do you think you are to try and improve yourself? I'm like, every other culture really embraces coaching as like a, as a profession, first off. Like, every high school in America has a, a coach. Like, we're really struggling still to implicate PE at, at second level, and that's where we should have done this decades ago. Yeah. But anyway, we didn't. And we're slightly improving now with all the... Um, the fact that you can study it, although I still haven't quite seen the figures coming through yet for a massive surge in recruitment of PE teachers. And that, that we, there's this kind of antipathy towards anything that anybody who's thought too much about this, well, they're not, you know, that's not the mm-hmm. true spirit of, of amateurism. I'm like, well, do we have to be amateur in everything? Can we not, like, take a professional approach to being amateur? I don't know. What do you think of that? Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. And I, I can only really um, speak of my own journey. So it's like, like I don't work full time. Uh, within Jay and I don't want to and the simple reason is because it consumes me so if, if I was working full time with this like if he, it's already nearly 24-7 in my mind right so if, if, if I was working at it then I feel I'd get burnt out and I wouldn't be passionate about it but like that when I started out in my coaching journey like I, I was coaching very very young even for my first club in O'Dwyer's and my bringing I would take the warm ups for the senior team I would do things like that and then when I moved to Newtown Blues when I got married um, I was player manager at 32 for the, for the team I, I always had an interest in coaching this, but basically because I was a goalkeeper right and you were just left aside kicking balls and someone would throw a few high balls me, and I, I wanted more so I had to go and source information mm. how could I become better what, what should I do so I found out there was loads of different resources there like I've studied at Satanta College I've done um, a hard diploma in strength and condition I don't want to be a strength and condition coach but I want to be able to talk to a strength and condition coach and not be bamboozled by yeah. the jargon so there is um, a lot of people out there that are bettering themselves through um, all these things that are, they're online courses um, DCU DCU were, were one of the first to start um, looking at strength and condition coaches and giving degrees and that. So they had to go somewhere. So they've all come out and they've all started um, being involved in GEA teams. But you're right, there's nothing wrong with that um, for people wanting to better themselves. Um, the GEA only offers a certain amount to award two, which is, is meant to be geared to inter-county teams, minor 21s and stuff like that. But after that, there's lots of different information, like um, Fergus Connolly runs a course from America, people, a team sports masterclass, mm-hmm. people are doing stuff like that. So there's loads and loads of information out there. And, and like that, you're right, um, people want this information and they're sourcing it. I, I find sometimes, right, like I coach in my club, Newtown Blues, um, I'd say I've co- coached them for about 20 years, but there's not one pl- person in that club, with all due respect, that listen to me anymore. They've heard all my jokes, they've heard all my coaching things, so you have to go and, and recreate that somewhere else. You have to go and learn more, right? And that's that, that's part of, that's self-awareness, that's you being aware of that. We more. should encourage that, though. It's like... Oh, without doubt. You know, it's the sharing of information, it's the discovery of new, it's curiosity... Well, I, I was saying out there, right, to keep something, you've got to give it away. 
and that's why I do all these um, the books and all that because like when I when I put stuff like this out there, a lot of people come back to me and say that's brilliant. But would you do this and would you do that? And before you know it, I've new ideas. Then, yeah, you mm. know. And and so if you open that dialogue, people will come back and forth w- with you. And I think that should be encouraged. Your greatest resource uh, as a coach is other coaches. And most coaches, uh, we, I, I don't like using the, the, the term like um, the circuit, right? But most coaches that are on the circuit all are friends and we'll all share ideas like I touch base with an awful lot of lads and they touch base with me and I, if there's a problem or I have a problem I've one or two fellas I could ring and say come here have you any ideas for this that or the other and so we have that out there and I'd love to see that more freely available to everybody yeah as a goalkeeper at 32 with, with Bob Reagan and then even going into New Time Blues could you have foreseen the dawn of goalkeeping as it is today with the likes of Rafferty and Began and Morgan and well, even how that's developed in, in a coaching sense Well my year right, um, John O'Leary and Mickey McQuillan were the two uh, goalkeepers in my era they were a couple of years older than me and played with Dublin in the media time and they both lived in Balbriggan so there used to be great um, banter when the Lancer finals would be on to go in and get their hair cut in the same barber and there'd be great um, banter between the two of them but John O'Leary used to kick the ball and, and he used to purposely slice the ball um, to the right um, that was his go-to kick out and I used to speak to him about that and he was saying yeah like that's I'd say like the slice and he said yeah it's a tactic where he's just trying to disguise it and slice it off to the right so John was kind of probably one of the early components of, of, of the kicker but to me right after playing the goals I'd love to ask people when they talk about um, changing the kick out putting everybody outside the 45 do you know how hard it is mm. for the likes of Sean Patton and Rory Began and Niall Morgan to be so accurate for such distances that is a fantastic skill and it should be lauded rather than um, knocked on the head mm. so I, I think that's brilliant I will say this about the goalkeepers I, I think they're getting away with murder now because they all want to play outfield so I think the square ball mo- rule should be removed and you should be allowed to tackle them now if they're going to play as outfield players treat them as outfield players I have a funny feeling that the rule makers are coming after them and that you might find that they'll be bringing in a rule like in soccer a few years ago where you can't take any back passes Do you know but th- the thing about this the theory about that is 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 you got to physically win the space and that allows you to play with skill. So what I mean by that is the goalkeepers are joining attacks now, so they're creating overloads in certain areas and, and that's allowing you to play the ball. And that's what they're thinking behind a whole lot of this. And if you have a goalkeeper who can contribute that, it's a brilliant tactic. And I, I, I for one, I enjoy it and I think it's, do you know what I enjoy? I enjoy when they make a mistake yeah. and, and you see them scrambling mm-hmm. and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, it's great. But, but yeah. like, is that, not, is that not exactly how this should work? The rules largely say the rules and good quality coaching takes a little bit of time analyzes what's going on practices on the training pitch applies it in low stakes games and then brings it to the highest stakes games and that's what that's how things evolve yeah. as opposed to oh I don't like what you're doing so we're going to change the rules because you kept the ball for five minutes and then you scored and you can't be doing that lads it looks a bit too much like soccer it feels to me like but, we're always reactionary changing oh, on the basis without of doubt and the game is always evolving right and, and I would, I would I, like you're always going to have the defensive phases right but I'd hazard a guess that the scoring rates are similar to last year's. Right. I wouldn't say that they've dropped them dramatically. Like there's a lot of people crying out and saying it's gone too defence. But I'd say the scoring rates are are, are, are quite happy. Um, what is happening is you've got um, all out attack phases and all out defence phases. So what's happening? What numbers and labels such as fullbacks and cornerbacks are becoming redundant now. There'll be no positions. But that's brilliant, right? Because now you're coaching a player all the skills, right? Rather than having backs and forwards, you're kind of saying yeah. you, you need to play everywhere. And, and footballers want that. Now, the one thing I will say that I feel is that the individual um, creativeness has been coached out of players. Somebody with the magic dust in the boot who's willing to take a chance, who's willing to do something, that's becoming less and less. And that is a problem. You Everyone, the attacking, are you talking about the attacking mark there? or are you? I'm, I'm talking about in general. Like, I mean, I'd be messing around with some of my kids and I put some videos up on... Um, 
uh, um, the you know the fairy social channels. But we were messing around on, on the weekend, and one of the kids was doing what we call a scorpion tick, kick, where he's solo, right? And he put the ball around his back and flick it over. Now he knows if he does that in a match, right? He's going to be taken off, or probably. But that that's brilliant to encourage someone to think differently and to be creative. So I think we're, we're um, knocking that on the head. I think anybody that has a bit more creative, mm. anybody that tries something different, like a flick of a ball, or you know something like that, or picking a roll and all that, they're 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 high risk yeah. moves. They're yeah. being coached out. Well, the Dubs fans still give out about Connolly taking the shot from the sideline. It's like well, you you won like six in a row here, lads. Shut up! But they're still giving out about it. Yeah, oh, yeah. Connolly taking on the chance. Well, that, what, uh, it's anyway. in his locker, and you know, exactly. you know, so you know, it's not in everyone's locker. What the problem I find here sometimes is when fellas that can't do that try to do that. Well, <laughs> that's yeah. what happens. Um, so, on balance, what do you think of the state of the game at the moment? Yeah, I, I really think right. The fitness levels, the tactical now there is 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 is, is top class. The effort these lads are putting in. But what I feel right is that you could make a few little tweaks. There's too many games, far too many games. Okay, I think the the, um, the All Ireland qualifiers are, uh, and the groups. Like I know what they're trying to do is trying to avoid dead roar games, but um, it's too much. There has to be something more at stake. Like our championship has been founded on um, the one chance to knock off the mm. big teams and stuff like that, and that's that's gone more and more or less. I'd like to see the balance where the games mean something. Like you go back to the Dublin and Roscommon match, right? I would feel that if if there was something at stake at that, there's no way Dublin would have let them hold that ball for four or five minutes, right? So I, I think that's where I do think that's just the, so I think we haven't had we haven't got to the end of the season yeah, yet yeah. where from the preliminary quarterfinals it is going to be that yeah, and yeah. we're actually going to have four preliminary quarterfinals four quarterfinals two semis and a final and most of those games should be good they will be good and that yeah. I think at the end of this we're going to be able to go well, there there's like a double digit number of good games which yeah. is like 10 more than we normally have yeah, when it possibly, was like yeah, two yeah. semis and a final and even then but but I'd like to get to them earlier do you know, I, I think I think I'd like to get to them earlier. I'd like to see like, like it's a long season. I think that the training to play ratio is far too much. Like I mean, like the, the most senior teams now, county teams will be training three or four nights a week, and they mm. could have boxed off twelve training sessions for one match. Jeez. It's far too much, really. So again, we, we're playing too many games, and then they're going to be expected. They're, like if they've had a good championship, you'll get them back to the clubs, and, and they'll be in a good mindset. If they've had a poor enough championship, they're mentally done. They need a break. So um, the clubs are hounding at them. Like it's very difficult for the players at the moment. You know, so it's trying to get that balance right I feel yeah Andy McIntyre was talking about the player uh, the club versus county issue and it, it's the same in Antrim there's definitely progressive counties who've managed to work this out where we're going to expect you to play a certain number of games this year X number are going to be for the county and if you don't mm-hmm. use them up you get them extra for the club but if you do use them up then yeah. the club have a certain amount and, and obviously everybody needs to buy into that and lobby for their own thing but come to an agreement at the end and go mm-hmm. we're going to try this for a period of time um, and it feels like we're getting there in some places and we're miles away from it in others um, I, like the obvious answer here is to scrap the league and now the league is the championship and at the end of the championship the best teams play off Right, yeah. like we were pretty close to getting there, and that, I hope that's the direction we're travelling. Because, like, the the second tier counties are actually really benefiting from having their playing squads together for the same amount mm-hmm. of time as the elite counties, yeah. so that next year they start off the same basis. And, and, and another point on that, right, which which is probably a little bit left field, but you're playing football now when you should be playing football in this type of mm. this type of weather, right? Exactly. And, and that's when everybody wants to play. And an awful lot of times um, the, the, the second-tier teams have been knocked out of the championship by now and, and they don't get to play and and really express themselves in the good weather when the ground's hard when you want to be playing football. Like, it's a different game of football yeah. playing in um, November, December than um, June and July. Like, it's, it's a different game and it suits different teams. So I think everybody... I think that's a good plus. I feel, too, that, like, I mean, I think I think... 
a lot of counties should share information like on how to do this like when I coached a few teams um, in Dublin and um, there was times on a, on a Saturday night I'd get a text and be signed from the Dublin senior manager at the time saying such and such only played 15 minutes for Dublin today they can play with you tomorrow right. and that's brilliant Like yeah. that's because you know where you stand so you kind of you'd be watching matches and be saying don't put them on don't put them on right, or take them off and stuff like that and then you have them tomorrow but everyone knows where, 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 mm. where they stood and then you need buy-in from the clubs you can't have clubs complaining that he's allowed to play for the club tomorrow my player isn't you know so you need buy-in because like that, that's a really good um, way, and I believe Down have, have released some players this weekend, right. last weekend to play um, in Armagh. I know they have an extended training panel, but um, the extended training panel plays league matches for their club. Right, they train with the county, and it's stuff like that is fair, mm-hmm. and that's meeting people halfway. People are more than um, willing to do that. Um, one last thing: the Davy Byrne, uh, Davy Burke, sorry, is is um, out in the papers today talking about the attacking mark. I don't, I don't. Never really thought the attacking mark made any sense. What, what, as a coach, obviously you've got to use it because it's part of the repertoire of the, the game. I, 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 I hate it. I think that I love the kick out mark. The kick out mark is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, this defensive mark and attacking mark adds nothing to it. It's, it's brought in as a kind of um, a stop mechanism. Like there's, there's people really exploiting the 20 metre rule, a little pop pass. It's not even a high catch. If it was a high catch where you're soaring up in the air and coming down with the ball, that's a spectacle. <laughs> I, I get that, but it's not a spectacle at the minute. It's been used for, for something completely different. So, yeah. I would agree entirely with that. It's difficult to um, the coach, and it's quick thinking, um, and it, sometimes it just kills the whole momentum. You know, you, you want to see a, a forward get a ball, turn, take his man on, you know, and and shoot on the move, stuff like that. You don't see that now. Like we, we did talk about this when it was coming in that there was a potential for it to be used this way. This isn't after timing. Mm. Like I think everybody realised that this is, I, 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 your your sense of our ability to respond to this and change like so I do want some real changes but I just don't want others well as I mentioned there earlier on about um, informing the policy like like surely like the rule makers should be taken on board feedback mm. from that the attack tra- tra- mark doesn't work and number two everybody's against it so they have to take on that feedback and hopefully that that's a real change I'd like to see yeah Colin we're, we're almost completely out of time if anybody wants to get their hands on the book what's the best place to get it um, just contact me through the um, social media so on social media um, Twitter, Instagram and, and stuff like that and yeah we'll, we'll look after them from there we wish you the very best of luck with it who's going to win the All-Ireland nice time you want to wrap with <laughs> um, I, I think Dublin will Right, mm-hmm. just because they've got the. the I, I, I think I think once they get the level of consistency, they're up and down at the moment. But when they're good, they're very, very good. And when they're not so good, they're still better than a lot of teams. All right, Colin, good stuff. Congratulations on the book again. Right, thanks very much. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now.